It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Kessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, December 3rd from Corner of the Galaxy Studios. A, uh, another Monday, the start to December in the LA Galaxy, of course, still in off-season mode. Uh, MLS Cup coming up next weekend, or, or this weekend coming up, so uh, the season is almost over. That means that drafts and some other drafts that we'll be taking a look at will also be coming around. Uh, we got a bunch of news, including some stuff about Ramon Alessandrini and uh, and possibly uh, Ramon uh, uh, posting an Instagram post. And what does that mean? We'll have an update on that. Obviously, to close gets to closer. I think we've made that joke about 300 times. Uh, and then, obviously, we're going to talk about the coaching search and some other LA Galaxy news as we get further into this week. Also, I think if, uh, if you're asking me, and maybe you're not, uh, the LA Galaxy should be making an announcement here pretty soon, and we're also waiting on that, so we'll see how long this particular podcast stays relevant. But to help us do all that and to talk all wonderful things Galaxy, the man just landed. We have him in the car driving back to his house. The panda, the flying panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Well, yeah, well, as you said, I just, I just flew in from Chicago, and boy, are my arms tired. I was going to say, you holding up the plane from the back there? Uh, uh, where, where? Actually, did I say Chicago? Chicago is next week. This is Detroit. Oh. I can't even keep my week straight. Today I came back from Detroit. It looks kind of like Chicago, only a little bit smaller. I was I was gonna say they're they're almost the same. That's uh, that's how you know. No, um, so you were off uh, covering uh, the NFL, the other football, huh? Yeah, you know, with two MLS teams in town, both of them did not make it past the first round of the playoffs. So my punishment was to have to go cover the NFL. So yeah, I've been on the Rams a couple of times now. I'm supposed to go back next week to, to Chicago. Um, let's hope that soccer teams go a little further. Um, obviously, people on this show want to hear to see the Galaxy go further. I'll take either one. Just yeah, keep me away from the NFL. I was going to say anything to keep you away from the the throwball. Uh, let's see the uh, the the updated numbers or the LA Galaxy running calendar as we go. Uh, Twenty seven days, Kevin, since Pete Vianis was fired. Eighty four days since Ziggy Schmidt was fired. Seven hundred and forty one days since Bruce Arena left. Seven hundred and fifty seven days since the Galaxy's last playoff game. And one thousand four hundred and fifty seven days since the last MLS Cup win. And by the way, I'm sure some of the New York Red Bulls fans would uh, would laugh at our 1,457 games uh, whenever we talk about the LA Galaxy not winning an MLS Cup, but that's the number that it's there, uh, and so the LA Galaxy uh, uh, in a bit of a drought, we should say, but really it's the 27 days since Pete Viennis was fired, Kevin, almost a month ago, and the 84 days since Siggy Schmidt that really has us most focused on the LA Galaxy right now. Well, yeah. yeah, and that, that Ziggy Schmidt number is very interesting because Ziggy told me that when he was called in for that Sunday morning massacre meeting, they told him they wanted to make the change with games left in the season because they wanted to get an early start on next year. Right. And here it is, 84 days since that happened. And as far as I can tell, they've really made no strides to next year as far as hiring a general manager or a coach. Uh, they don't have an academy coach. Now they don't have a goalkeeper coach. They yep. really don't have an assistant coach now since, since that was uh, um, Dominic's job and he's no longer the assistant coach. So, yeah, they wanted to get a start on next season, but they've really done nothing. So far, yeah, it, it feels that way. And uh, you know, honestly, in all fairness, Kevin, I think both you and I are sort of sitting here waiting for a press release to pop out, talking about a press conference or maybe just a straight up announcement. Um, whenever yeah, it comes to, to Dennis close, the close has been Dennis the close has been all over the stub up center. You and I are both getting uh, people calling, telling us that they've seen him there. Apparently, he was at a U15 game tonight, Monday. Yep, that's right. Uh, by the way, uh, he is a Bengali uh, when it comes to uh, the academy side of things. Um, the Galaxy already had a pretty good academy system, although it's it's been hemorrhaging some decent players lately. But um, that's one thing, uh, one area where I think he's really going to have an immediate impact. Uh, remember, he was part of that Ga- uh, Chivas USA organization that recruited guys like uh, um, uh, uh, from Alvarez and others. All, all those guys came to the Galaxy Academy from the Chivas Academy when Chivas folded. So I really expect to see a lot of things happening with the academy system when uh, when the close gets in there and, and gets his, uh, you know, bearings and everything. And I think, I think he's going to be hired very shortly. I agree with you. I think we're going to hear something uh, within a day or days, if, if, you know, 
if not by the end of this week, for sure. Yeah, it seems likely I'll also say that there was a, a, an Instagram gaffe or an Instagram pullback uh, that apparently showed uh, Dennis to close at a Mexican Federation send-off party. Um, and basically it said, you know, good luck to uh, to Dennis uh, as he was leaving. And then that post was taken away. We have some screenshots of that if you want to see it. Cornerofthegalaxy.com. Uh, go to our rumor tracker there that tracks all these different rumors. But it, it feels like, and it has been pointed out now, that everything is pointing to Teclose. We don't have an official sort of confirmation, anything behind the scenes. But, Kevin, as far as, uh, as, far as you and I know, uh, he has been at StubHub Center multiple times this week. Uh, like you said, I just got uh, messaged by somebody who said he was at a U15 training game uh, on the very night that we're recording on Monday night. So he is around StubHub Center. He is there. I've been getting inundated with messages saying people have seen him and some people have even talked to him. Everybody seems to be in general agreement on this one, Kevin, is that uh, this seems like a good hiring by the LA Galaxy and it seems like somebody who is capable of putting the ship in order, which is something that I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic is, uh, is certainly going to be keeping an eye on. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I, uh, the reason that post was taken down from the, his friends at the Mexican Federation was the Galaxy, as they are, are wont to do, they have a real habit of, of doing this. They want to throw a big party. They want to have a big press release. They want to have a big press conference where they unveil him in some dramatic way. They didn't want that leaking uh, to the Mexican Federation, and I'm sure that's what happened. As soon as that went up, somebody uh, in Galaxy land saw that, or maybe even Dennis, no, knew that that was not a, the right thing to do, and so they took that down immediately. But he, Dennis DeCoz may not have the biggest name uh, around, uh, but he, he definitely is an effective leader. He knows MLS, which is very helpful. He knows Mexico. He knows he sort of knows both both places, both markets. Um, he's done it before. You know, he's been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Um, maybe the only thing that makes the wheels wobble a little bit on this is we didn't know what he's going to do with the coaching situation. He. He's met with Dominic now uh, in, in Galaxy Land. He knew Dominic from when he interviewed with San Jose a couple of years ago. Obviously knew him when he was back uh, because Dominic was around when Dennis was in his Chivas USA days. So they have a history. They know each other. There's been no, nothing firm that I've heard that he's going to keep uh, Dominic in the role that he has now. So you know, there, there's going to be some coaching hires. There's going to be assistant coaching hires. There's a lot of stuff to do. When Dennis DeClose is finally announced, and Again, I think it could happen Tuesday, Wednesday, certainly by the end of the week. When he is finally announced, that's just the start. There's a lot of other stuff that needs to happen after that. Yeah, and we, we talk about coaching, and it was one thing. You know, Dominic Kinnear is, is the only name that the LA Galaxy have felt comfortable, at least, uh, you know, in terms of, of talking about it publicly, was, was Dominic Kinnear. It was one of those questions that everybody got asked in the exit interview, Kevin. We asked... Uh, you know, Ola Kamara, we asked Zlatan Ibrahimovic, we asked uh, Sebastian Legette is, you know, hey, would you want Dominic Kinnear to come back? And, uh, you know, to, to, to a T, everybody said yes. But I, I think we have to step back from that a little bit, which is the Galaxy don't know and all the players don't know who's going to be the next coach. They had no idea. So you're certainly not going to go up there and say, hey, I don't want Dominic Kinnear anywhere near, my, near me or the team. Um, and I'm not saying that Dom isn't a great guy either, and they could absolutely be telling the truth, but them, the players just coming out and saying it, Zlatan coming out and saying it, you know, any of those guys coming out and saying that they like Dominic Kinnear doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, that, that that's a 100% vote of confidence from them. Um, and so I think, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if indeed it is Dominic Kinnear, whether or not, you know, the players still feel the same way, which of course they're going to say it publicly, but you know, what are they saying behind the scenes? So, I mean, all these things are sort of, you know, popping up in my head as the only public name that we have of any coach of any sort for the galaxy right now has been Dominic Kinnear. Yeah. You pointed to that the other day and you're, you're right. When we talked to Zlatan uh, on election day, November 6th, the day that Pete was fired, uh, he was very adamant in his support for Dominic and said that he thought that he should get the interview. He didn't say he thought he should get the job. He did say he should get the interview, and he said that he thought he did a great job at the end of the season. And as I've been saying on this podcast all along, the one thing that you know about Dominic is the team did win when he was the coach. Right. And we, you can't say that about anybody else. So there, there is that history. But you're right. It would be suicide for a player to say, I, I can't play for that guy. Please don't bring him back. Yeah, no, I mean it, it. It does. It makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense whenever you say, yeah, you know, please don't bring him back. It's it's the other thing is that really right now, Kevin, at least on the surface, Dominic Kinnear is not a to close guy. 
Um, you know, in, in terms of Tocosta didn't pick him, although he's going to get a chance to pick him. Um, so whenever you're a general manager, you're coming in, you want to put your stamp on something, you usually want your people in place. Um, and so, you know, can you consider Dominic Kinnear to close people whenever, if that came about, or would it still be, you know, sort of a symptom of the old organization? Would that be something that to close would look at as, and he's not my guy, and maybe I don't need to stick with him, and maybe I don't need to pick him, maybe I don't feel comfortable with him if he's not all bought in? Not all votes are, 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 uh, are weighted equally, and I think Zlatan's going to have a huge vote. His vote's going to count a lot. If he's really sincere about uh, his uh, desire to work with Dominic again, I think that'll count for a lot. That won't determine uh, who gets to be the coach by itself. But one uh, interesting rumor that was out there, Hercules Gomez was talking about on his podcast, that if the close came in, and I think we've, we're in agreement now that he is coming in, he may bring Miguel Herrera with him, right. from a former coach of the Mexican national team, who DeClose has a close relationship with, too. Uh, Miguel Herrera is a very good coach and did a great job with the Mexican national team. Not so much lately with the club teams he's been with, uh, Tijuana and I think it was Club America for that. Um, so, you know, you, you wonder a little bit, but if DeClose is coming in and wants to start fresh, as you mentioned, and bring his own guys in and kind of tear this thing up a little bit if his decision is that the galaxy are just sort of treading water and they're really not advancing the last two years if he wants to shake things up i think that might be the way to go miguel herrera is a proven guy he's not worked in mls uh he'd bring a whole new perspective to everything he's a players manager from what i've heard players that play for him really loved him uh, that could be a very interesting choice I'm, I'm not sure that maybe the right choice i don't know but it would be a very interesting choice, and it would certainly put uh, the closest stamp on everything. Yeah, and, and that's sort of the thing that you're looking at now. And, and when we talk about, you know, guys being, you know, to close guys or Siggy Schmidt guys, and, and you talked about getting a new goalkeeping coach because uh, LA Galaxy goalkeeping coach Oka Nikoloff, who joined whenever Siggy Schmidt was on board uh, and brought over from the Philadelphia Union, uh, Nikoloff has now gone back to the Philadelphia Union and has, it will return as an assistant coach and director of goalkeeping. Um, so the LA Galaxy, without a goalkeeping coach as well, which, uh, Kevin, you mentioned. But it also makes sense. Again, this was not a Dominic Kinnear guy. Uh, Ola Nikoloff, uh, Oka Nikoloff was a, a guy who was brought in by Siggy Schmidt. Whenever Siggy Schmidt left, really the remainder of the coaching staff stayed along with Dominic Kinnear and uh, sort of helped usher the Galaxy to the end of the season there, just missing out on the playoffs. So all of these things are sort of expected. I wouldn't expect most of the assistant coaches to stay. And in fact, if whoever is going to be the head coach, whether it's Dominic Kinnear or, or somebody else, uh, is going to come in and get to pick their own staff with obviously Tocloses, uh, Tocloses, uh blessing on all that. So that's that's sort of where we sit on that. I w again, I wouldn't be surprised, but you're starting all over again. And Kevin, we know that everybody is sort of trying to find, if you're a coach and you're trying to move, or if you're a coach and you don't have a position right now, you're trying to find a team that you want to stay with. Um, and this is the time of year that you're having to figure out where you're going to be. Yeah, I'm sure the Galaxy are telling their assistant coaches, look, we don't know who's going to come in and who they're going to pick. Uh, you know, or at least we can't tell you that right now. So if you have an offer somewhere else, you could consider it. I did get uh, a message from Matt Reese, the former Galaxy goalkeeper coach who was there when the team was, you know, had their best years in goal. And uh, he reached out to me to, to let me know that he can help. He's available. He is. And it wouldn't be a bad pick for uh, any coach that comes in to get Matt Reese back at Step Up Center. No, that's a, that seems almost like a no-brainer. That's one of those that maybe you just hire Matt Reese without <laughs> without knowing who the head coach is, <laughs> even though that goes against everything that uh, you sort of see. But no, I mean, those are the types of decisions that are having to be made. And again, you're talking about, okay, so it's taken to close how many weeks? You know, three weeks now, Kevin, almost a month, uh, where the Galaxy look like they are finally going to cement him in place. And by the way, it's my opinion right now that I've seen that I think Tocloso's uh, fingerprints are already on some of the stuff that seems to be going on with the club. So this seems like this may be a completely done deal and maybe has been for at least a little while. Um, we're just not being privy to the official announcement yet. Um, and maybe they wanted to clear everything up and get everything going. But it, it seems like Tocloso is already embedded in that. If that's the case, now they're on a coach hunt. And if you're on a coach hunt and it's not Dominic Kinnear, that means you have to go out and you have to interview all these guys, Kevin. So, I mean, how many weeks is that going 
going to take? Uh, you know, you figure that it takes two to three weeks at least to get, you know, a fairly solid block of individuals in and interviewed and done and doing what you what you expect to do. So, I mean, that's, again, more time that is taken uh, away from all this. And we say all that understanding that the L.A. Galaxy will go into the MLS expansion draft. That's right. They'll have to protect 11 players uh, when they'll get the list of unprotected players uh, and protected players is due, I believe, before December 10th. And the MLS expansion draft itself is on December 11th. So all these things, again, are coming to a head. The LA Galaxy having to make decisions about the 2019 season. And as of right now, there's no GM announced. As of right now, there's no head coach. Um, so all these things and these effects that are going to have in 2019 are, are decisions that need to be made pretty rapidly. And it seems like Toclose is going to be coming in uh, and, and having to make these decisions right away uh, as we get into the next week with a, a, another round of drafts. Well, yeah, they have 16 players on the roster now, and you know the rule way better than I do, but if they can protect uh, have protect 11, or uh, can protect 11, that means five unprotected. I don't know where those unsigned players fit in. And by the way, um, you know, we know they're going after Rolf Belcher. They appear to be getting very close to perhaps getting a new contract with him. They're talking to a few other players. We know now that Ashley Cole has not been offered a contract and will not be offered a contract. It looks like he's going to play back in England again. I think you had some news about a possible reunion with Frank Lampard back in England. Yeah, I do. So uh, the, the the rumor, at least of this week, is that uh, 37-year-old Ashley Cole is going to uh, Derby, Derby in the United Kingdom, where Frank Lampard is the Rams manager right now, and Cole linked with possibly signing there and playing there. I thought maybe it was a coaching position at one point there, Kevin, but it looks like uh, perhaps Frank Lampard wants to uh, ink Ashley Cole to a deal and have him be uh, the left back there with, uh, with Derby. And I believe I'm saying it correctly, even though Derby Derby and Derby, are, but at this time it's the city and not the match, so who knows? I don't know. Yes, I'm, I'm, it's, der- it's Derby, but I, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, Ashley told me that he was really um, uh, torn on the idea that he wants to get started in his post-playing career, which is going to be coaching, and he has an offer on the table at Chelsea. But he also said when you retire, you're retired forever. You can't come back from that, and he really wants to make sure that he's done. But, you know, when you look around, you see Ashley Cole with the great career he's had with the English national team, playing at, you know, at Chelsea and Arsenal. Then he went to Roma. He came back and had some, some successful seasons that it didn't pan, pan out with a title, but he played very well for the Galaxy. Now going to, to Derby, not even in the Premier League. Um, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. You saw Robbie Keane play his last competitive game in the Indian League. Right. Um, that's not how I want to remember Robbie Keane. And Nigel DeYoung wound up playing in Saudi Arabia. That's not how I want to remember him. You know, they, he had so many great years at Manchester City and then in Italy and, and uh, a, uh, an aborted season with the Galaxy where he played very well. Um, it's hard to know when to stop. Uh, Robbie Keane, I'm surprised. You know, when he took the job with Ireland, he did announce his retirement as a player. I kind of thought he'd be around until he's in his 60s. He just... <laughs> is the soccer equivalent of a gym rat. Uh, so, I, you know, it's kind of mixed emotions. If, if Ashley's happy playing there, then, then great, more power to him. But I'm going to remember the, the, the Ashley Cole that was playing in first division teams and not the one that's going to be playing at Derby if, in fact, that rumor proves to be true. Yeah, yeah, we'll see about it. You were asking about, you know, the protected versus unprotected, and I'll tell you who I had on my protected list because, of course, uh, if you go to cornerofthegalaxy.com and you click on our post or our LA Galaxy offseason draft transaction and rumor tracker, tracker you'll find uh, my projected pro- protected list, projected protected list uh, for the MLS expansion draft. You have to protect 11 players. Uh, basically, it ends up being that the LA Galaxy can't, you can't make certain number of international players. You can go read all the rules if you really want to do it. I just know that I followed all the rules and so you can understand that. Uh, the thing you have to understand is that with designated players, Kevin, uh, that you have to sort of treat them, at least us right now, we have to treat like all of them have a no trade clause. Uh, designated players are not automatically protected, so uh, all three of the designated players for the LA Galaxy will get protected. Just understand that. I know people will yell and scream about Giovanni Dos Santos, but I have to imagine that for $6 million a season right now uh, and possibly going up to six and a half if the trends continue for next season, uh, that, that Giovanni Dos Santos has a no-trade clause in his contract. That would seem like uh, that would be one of those things that would be there. So uh, the uh, the three designated players are all protected for me. I have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. There's a big surprise. Protected. Ola Kamara, David Bingham, Rolf Felcher. Uh, and by the way, yes, you do have to protect Felcher because you're trying 
to keep your rights to him. So even if you don't have a contract with him, and even though you turn down his option, you're, the LA Galaxy seem like they're trying to get another deal done with him, so you want to protect him so you can maintain your rights. Uh, then you had Sebastian Legette. Chris Pontius, again, an out-of-contract player that I'm protecting uh, because I think that the Galaxy are going to bring him back. Ima Boateng, out-of-contract and being protected. And Dave Romney, out-of-contract and being protected. I believe all three of those players will be back with the LA Galaxy, um, and so they're going to try to try to probably protect those rights there uh, with uh, with this expansion draft. The guys who are unprotected, uh, the only bi- the big ones are Jorgen Shelvik, and the reason he's unprotected, Kevin, is one, because I think the Galaxy would welcome anybody to take his million-dollar contract. Uh, Ashley Cole, that one doesn't really count. Michael Ciani doesn't really count. Perry Kitchen is unprotected at $475,000. Uh, it's unlikely that anybody's going to pick him up, but if they do, the Galaxy have a plethora of midfielders there, and perhaps they'd be willing to go. Baggio Husidic, not protected. Uh, Daniel Stare is not protected. Uh, Hilliard Arce, not protected. Um, and that gets into some roster moves, and it's unlikely that Hilliard Arce is going to be picked because he's a supplemental player, and if you pick somebody in the expansion draft as a supplemental player, you have to give them a senior roster spot, which means they'll count against the cap, and it's unlikely anybody's going to do that. So those are the rest of the players, anybody else you've ever named, uh, including Servando Carrasco or Brian Silvestri or Ari Lasseter or Shannon Williams, um, you know, Joao Pedro, again, not protected. Um, unlikely anybody picks him up, but the LA Galaxy have a chance of losing at max one player Kevin, uh, and there's only five total players being picked by M- FC Cincinnati anyway, so you know the chances of anybody leaving the LA Galaxy of those players that are, are going to be unprotected, maybe Daniel Starez is the guy, and it's a toss-up whether it's Starez or Romney you're protecting, but I'm thinking that it's Starez that they'll leave unprotected right now. So that was my list, but we'll see how that, uh, how that changes. That's pretty interesting, leaving uh, Starez unprotected, and the reason I say that is if you look at what LAFC did last year and the way they built their team at this time of the year, they went out and traded for Walker Zimmerman in mid-December. Uh, they went and got uh, Laurent Simon in mid-December, also in a trade. Uh, Tyler Miller was their number one pick in the expansion draft. And I say all that because LAFC, even though they went out, get all their three designated players are attackers. Carlos Bella was the first player they signed. And so you say, well, that's the traditional way of doing it. Go out and get glamorous attackers. Uh, big name uh, offensive players talk about scoring a lot of goals because that's how you're going to sell tickets. Um, what LAFC really did was build the core of that team defensively. Uh, when they were able to make moves within MLS, they went out and got really good defensive players. And if Cincinnati is going to do the same thing, a guy like Daniel Starris may look uh, maybe somebody that looks very attractive to them. It could be, especially at the uh, at the price point there at one hundred and thirty two thousand uh, dollars for the total compensation. I agree. I do think it's a toss up between whether you protect Romney or Steras in this one. And for my money, I think the Galaxy are going to look to be protecting Romney. That's just my two cents on that. But again, it's a it's a chess game, Kevin. You you want to leave the players that are unprotected. You want to unprotect those players that you think that perhaps. Uh, people are not going to want to take. It's like Jorgen Shelvik. Nobody's going to take an international player that's making a million dollars on defense uh, to start their club. And maybe they do. I think the Galaxy would welcome that right now. You take a million dollars off of their uh, off their salary cap and off their TAM, uh, um, you know, payroll there as well. Uh, it would be fine. That's why you sort of look at some of these players and say, hey, you know, what are the chances? And again, with Hilliard Arce, it's it's a matter of supplemental versus senior roster spot and how that changes things. Um, so again, only five players. I don't expect there to be, obviously, there's going to be five players picked. That's going to be it. Um, and so any team that has one player picked uh, can't have another one. And I think you get $50,000 in allocation money if you have a player picked. Plus, you get all of that money that the player was uh, was making uh, off your salary cap. So that's sort of how that works. And again, that comes up on December 11th, Twelve full coverage on Corner of the Galaxy. I'm sure Kevin will have a wonderful coverage over at the LA Times as well. So, Well, it's a little, you know, the way you talk about this, it. It's a little subtle. What you need to do is you need to try to find out what the team that's going to be picking, in this case, Cincinnati, what their philosophy is, what they may do, what the kind of players they've been looking at. Then you look at your, your roster and say, who can I afford to lose? Or in the case of a Shelvick, maybe you want to keep him, but you say, this guy's a little bit too rich. I'll, I'll put him up there, and if they take him, okay, but I don't think they will because he's a little bit expensive. They're not going to want to – no team is going to want to start out paying a million dollars for a defender and using a, uh, a foreign roster spot on that. So, you know, I think that's probably pretty wise. But here's where the Galaxy get hurt by not having their front office set up at this point. Um, MLS Cup is this weekend. Is this weekend, 
And everybody who's anybody in MLS is in Atlanta for all the festivities. That's where coaches are meeting one another, GMs are meeting one another. Um, my guess would be if Chris Klein does not stay in town for the, the close press conference, he may be the one the Galaxy sends back there. I'm not sure if that's the guy you want back there. I think you want your coach or your uh, soccer director kind of smoothing, smoothing uh, kind of talking. I can't even say it. Schmoozing, kind of yes. Uh-huh. That, that, doing that. You want him doing that with the other coaches and general managers and, and you know, gathering intelligence. Find out what other clubs are thinking. Um, remember, there's also that half-day trade window right. on Sunday the 9th where if any of this talk about Alessandrini is true, that the Galaxy are trying to trade him to free up money for us a lot of time, and I'm not sure that that's true, but we've heard it, so we're reporting it. But, you know, if in fact that that's what they're going to want to do, the groundwork for that presumably would be laid back in Atlanta. If you sit down with the Montreal people and you talk about what they want and how you're going to make this trade happen, you find out what Cincinnati's telling other teams who they've scouted, try to get a sense of what they're, they're going to do. You know, this is, a, again, it's subtle. It's not, it's not the kind of thing that grabs headlines, but this is where a lot of that kind of work gets done. The Galaxy are handicapped because they don't have the people in place that need to be back there doing that. Yeah, and December 9th, you were right on that, is a 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time half-day trade window, and obviously this says uh, following a three-month roster freeze, MLS clubs may begin making adjustments to their rosters. This is a four-hour window in which clubs may sign and trade players, both non-reentry draft-eligible players and re-entry draft-eligible. All roster decisions will be publicized by the individual clubs. Uh, so, yeah, that's coming up uh, there for sure, and, you know, we've that I, we, we need to talk a little bit about Roman Alessandrini and certainly what what happened on Monday or I guess it was late on Sunday that that originally started but uh, now it's into uh, into Monday and and some uh, an Instagram post that he put out uh, basically it was a picture of Roman Alessandrini the back of his jersey it says Alessandrini in the number seven there uh, it's taken at StubHub Center it looks like whenever he was coming out of the tunnel uh, and the quote to it says a tough life experience is made to learn and move forward he goes see you soon Instagram and then has a little wavy hand uh, there saying. Uh, adios to, to Instagram. Now, uh, we uh, I, I was able to talk to some people close to uh, the club, um, and basically the, the cryptic post was not about his soccer playing. Uh, it was not about his current status with the LA Galaxy. He is an LA Galaxy player. He remains an LA Galaxy player, and from everything I've heard so far out of the uh, out of the club and around the people around the club, Kevin, it seems like Allison Drini is in the plans for 2019 for the LA Galaxy as well. So we had theorized at one point and many times, and by the way, it's still a valid theory uh, as far as I'm concerned, that if the LA Galaxy need to free up a designated player spot and for some reason, whatever reason, they don't want to spend the money to buy out Giovanni Dos, contra- Giovanni Dos Santos's contract and they don't want to um, you know, and they can't move him. They can't trade him or transfer him anywhere else, even if they pay a large portion of his contract and his salary. Um, then the person who has the most sort of uh, chance of being moved is Roman Alessandrini. His salary is not ridiculously expensive, and so it would seem likely that the Galaxy, if they wanted to move somebody or needed to move somebody, and it wasn't Giovanni Dos Santos, it would be Roman Alessandrini. Now, having said all that, his Instagram post has nothing to do with him being moved. Uh, it has nothing to do with anything that's related I think Kevin we can say it's a it's a personal issue um, and that you know uh, it, that's that's about as far as everybody sort of wants to take it right now with Roman it's nothing big it's nothing major uh, in terms of you know he's fine he's healthy I think everybody around him seems to be fine and healthy um, so there's nothing there to really worry about I, I think I've, I think I've done a good job sort of explaining it there yeah I, I, I talked to his agent a couple of times well several times actually in the offseason and he continues to tell me that he has heard nothing about a trade. In fact, he asked me uh, for information on it, which is always a mistake. But he knows nothing about a trade, although he doesn't need to know. Because remember, MLS is a signal entity uh, organization. So uh, they're essentially trading Alessandrini to themselves. So they don't need to involve the agent. I mean, I think they probably would. But uh, again, the agent says he doesn't know anything about that. He stressed repeatedly that Ramon loves it in L.A., enjoys it here, wants to stay, does not have a problem with the fans or the Galaxy or anything else. He also said, uh, by the way, he said the waving hands at the bottom that, that Ramon was saying adios. He was actually saying au revoir because he's from France. 
so he wouldn't uh, uh, be saying adios. Uh, and the uh, agent wanted you to know that. Of course. By the way, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Ramon Alessandrini is a little media silent, uh, social media silent for a little while. So I, it's nothing. I, I am here. I am here to make everybody feel better on a Monday, Kevin, because people were hyperventilating this morning uh, about this particular Instagram post. And so, uh, you know, I'm glad that I can bring a little bit of clarity at least early in this week on a Monday. Uh, perhaps get you through the rest of the week whenever it comes to Ramon Alessandrini. Uh, he is and uh, currently remains an LA Galaxy player, and this is not him saying goodbye, and it's not soccer related. So, everybody, deep breath. I think he's. I think he's going to be fine. And quite honestly, I think the Galaxy uh, want him back next season. I don't think that's even a stretch to say that. So, I mean, yeah. So he's definitely not saying adios. Take away from yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Well, he could be. I mean, maybe he's. Maybe no, he, but he, he would say it in French. He, he would definitely say Maybe it. he's trying to learn Spanish. All right. That's true. He's got a couple of teammates that he needs to speak to. There you go. See, that's that's how it works. That's that's what it is. Uh, let's see. We talked a little bit about LA Galaxy alumni news there, Kevin. Whenever we talked about Ashley Cole going to uh, Derby, uh, possibly going to Derby to reunite with Frank Lampard there. Uh, the other bit of uh, of interesting alumni news because we we had a we had the most interesting alumni news I think we've ever had uh, last week. Whenever we talked about uh, the stalking charges against Yella Van Dam, uh, and we talked about Jermaine Jones publicly on Instagram and Instagram stories talking about a possible affair that his wife had with an actor. Um, that actor, I, his name is David Charvet. Um, and uh, the reason that we know that and everything is that uh, J- Jones was apparently, Jermaine Jones, the, the, the nice guy that he is, was uh, supposedly, apparently, allegedly, I think I've covered my bases there, uh, was texting pictures of uh, pictures to David Charvet of a, a an assault rifle that he had purchased and was threatening him, and Charvet went and got a uh, a granted restraining order against Jermaine Jones. So, by the way, Charvet That's denies... Former, yeah, former captain, Galaxy fans. That's your former armband wearer right there. Your leader. Yeah, at, at one point, Jermaine Jones uh, and Yellow Von Dom both, uh, both having the captain's armband. Uh, so, I think in the same season. So, yeah, uh, Charvet, by the way, denies having an affair with Jones's wife, just to to put that out there. Just just in fun LA Galaxy alumni news. They're at least keeping it interesting in the offseason. Here's some more alumni news. You know who's going to be playing in the MLS Cup final, right? Who's going to be playing in an MLS Cup final? Jeff Lorenowitz. Ah, yes, Jeff Lorenowitz. Lots of people, by the way, were just fine whenever Jeff Lorenowitz decided to go play in Atlanta. Um, with, no, he's a, he was a good player, and the Galaxy should have kept him. He, he was one of those. He was a free agent, if you remember, a lot like Chris Pontius. Uh, was a free agent and decided that he had his one year with the Galaxy and decided he was going to go play for Atlanta, and that is the freedom a, a free agent has, and he has been great for Atlanta in the uh, in the two years that he's played there now. Uh, so, yeah, you're right, playing in an MLS Cup uh, final. Jeff Lorenowitz there, yeah. He didn't leave because he wanted to leave L.A. He saw the, the, the writing on the wall. That was... He left in, in the, the, the winter after Bruce left and saw what was going on with the organization, how they were going young, and, and how he as a veteran was no longer valued. So I think all things being considered, if the Galaxy put a real team on the field in 2017, I think he would have loved to stay, and I think the Galaxy would have benefited from having him. But certainly he's, uh, he, you know, for his career, he made the right move. He, as a starter, plays all the time with the Galaxy. He was injured a lot, remember, it didn't get to play all that much, but he's a starter. He's playing. He's a very valuable contributor, uh, and now he's in the MLS Cup final. So, yeah, more I, good alumni. That's good alumni news. That's that is good alumni news. Absolutely. No, uh, ASIF, no, no, uh, you know, uh, assault rifles were involved in that, that in the making of that alumni news. Always, always better. The alumni news is better for it. By the way. Uh, that's yeah. uh, that's certainly how it is. Now, we Kevin, you were covering the throwball. Uh, you had some NFL covering, but uh, we're going to talk about the other uh, the other football league uh, that now looks like it's coming ooh, ooh. to Los Angeles and and StubHub Center. Uh, you of course know, know about this. you do know, about, know about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you break it, but you know that of course that at StubHub Center currently the LA Chargers are playing at StubHub Center, and I know there was a lot of. Uh, hesitancy by LA Galaxy fans to even think that that was anything near a good deal for the LA Galaxy uh, and StubHub Center and AEG. Uh, I would say that overall, the LA Chargers' impact on the LA Galaxy has been minimal, and probably because the LA Galaxy haven't made the playoffs in either season that the Chargers have been there, and so the field really didn't get all too chewed up. 
uh, with those preseason games uh, that the Chargers played and then, you know, the couple regular season games they played before the Galaxy season was over. And we both know, Kevin, that the Rams and the Chargers, mostly it's the Rams building their new uh, stadium uh, there at Hollywood Park, and that should be ready in 2020. And we expect that the Chargers uh, to be gone in 2020, that 2019 will be their last year at StubHub Center, and then away they go to the nice new dig. So it looks like, Kevin, that the LA Galaxy will be without an NFL tenant at StubHub Center for a little while, right? But they will have a football team there, meaning a throwball team. Yes, absolutely a throwball team. So the XFL uh, apparently is coming to Los Angeles. Is that what you've heard? Well, yeah, the, the XFL, people who don't know, is a, a, a proposed new uh, football league that will begin in the, the winter of 2020, probably in February. So by then the charges are gone. And by the way, you're right. You know, if you're going to have a soccer uh, football stadium where you have an NFL team and an MLS team together, it's always much uh, preferred if your MLS team finishes its season in October, right. which the Galaxy have been so kind to do the last couple of years and really help the Chargers and help the, the, the groundskeepers out. But in any case, XFL is coming. This, uh, this league is brought to you by the fine people that have brought us professional wrestling. Yes. So you know it's going to be a class uh, operation. Um, but they, uh, the, the league is now proposed to be uh, – press conference will be held at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey on Wednesday where the franchise will be announced. Apparently there will be 10 of them. Uh, we know that there will be teams in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, apparently in Houston, Dallas-Fort Worth, I think one in Seattle, uh, St. Louis, and there will be one in Southern California, and it will play at the Stump-Up Center uh, from what we understand – Obviously, don't know the, the name or the, of the team or the ownership or anything, but they will play at the Stump Up Center. That's when the Chargers are gone, but the season does start in February, so there'll be quite a bit of overlap with the NFL um, at the same time. But the interesting thing for me is, if you remember when MLS started, they played it in large football stadiums, like in Kansas City, and they played, I think, at the beginning of the, at the middle, and they played at the Rose Bowl, they played at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, huge football stadiums where you might draw 15 or 20,000. I think the first year they averaged 70,000 MLS did with their 10 teams. Uh, maybe it was 18 then, but they averaged 17,000 that first season. You have 17,000 people in an 80,000 seat stadium like East Rutherford, New Jersey, and it's not conducive to having any kind of a fan atmosphere. Um, so MLS started this wave of building soccer specific stadiums, and I think we've seen when you put 20,000 to 25,000 people in a 27,000 seat stadium like Step Up, it's a totally different environment and it's really changed the game and it's changed the fan experience. Well, what's interesting to me is now uh, the tables have turned. Now we have a new professional football league coming uh, to town and they're asking to play in soccer specific stadiums. They're going to play at Step Up, they're going to play at Audi Field, DC United's home pitch uh, back on the East Coast. And Oliver Luck is involved with the team in Houston in some capacity. Uh, so I would not be surprised if, to see the team in, in Houston play at the Dynamo Stadium there, right. um, downtown Houston. So now you have a new professional football league coming, and they're going to play their games in uh, soccer-specific stadiums. And the reason for that is, is twofold, I think. One is, as you pointed out when we spoke earlier, the NFL is not going to allow those guys, a competing league, to come play in a stadium where they have an ownership interest in that stadium. So some of the, the stadiums are owned by municipalities, and they can't stop them from coming. But others, like the one in Arlington, Texas, owned by Jerry Jones, he, I think he can put his foot down and say, no, I, another football team is not going to play here. But the other thing is, uh, I, I think this new group uh, understands they're not going to sell sixty and 70,000 seats for every game. They do want an atmosphere, something like, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to sound pejorative, but uh, something like professional wrestling, they do want to have – an excited atmosphere. They do want to have excited fans. Uh, they do want to create an atmosphere of enthusiasm and, and those kind of things. Much easier to do in these, so in these smaller soccer-specific stadiums. When you think about arena football, you know, they played in basketball arenas, where, so the capacity was 18,000, 20,000. I think that's what the XFL is thinking, and it's just very interesting that they've decided to try to create that by going to MLS stadium. Yeah, it is. It's a little turn of the tables, and uh, so certainly it'll be uh, interesting to watch, and we'll have to see how that affects the uh, field. We know that 
Uh, some players have at least voiced to me uh, some concerns about the field on occasion. Uh, whenever the Chargers start playing, that the uh, the grass out there gets torn up and that there's uh, colored sand that gets filled in to make it look green and there is less sand. Uh, or there's less grass and more sand as those days go by. So it'll be interesting to see how it's handled. But again, not until the 2020 season. So uh, lots of updates coming before that all happens. And so we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it. But uh, the LA Galaxy, Kevin, uh, rapidly approaching another another roster building uh, uh, deadline. So uh, I think we're still of the opinion that an announcement gets made soon. Hopefully it's uh, it, it's pretty fast here for the Galaxy's sake because they really need to start getting all these things, the pieces in order. Um, you know, it seems like to close is there. It seems like to close is done. And whenever that official announcement comes out, then it really feels like all this can be wrapped up and, and sort of, again, another another check mark at least made there, Kevin, where they get to start working towards what, it, what this team is going to look like in 2019. And the next big thing after you get the GM uh, almost immediately to close has to find out who that head coach is and, and put that person in place. And then that way the LA Galaxy can start building up their staff, their soccer staff, their training staffs, all those things that sort to come around a head coach. So that seems like the next steps well, for the LA Galaxy. Well, a couple of things. I want to take a look at that first uh, as the segue. When you look at that, so you hired to close, then he goes out and maybe he needs a week. He probably has a pretty good idea. I mean, I don't think we're going to do a 14-month search for a coach like uh, uh, the U.S. national team did. But So he hires that guy. Um, maybe you get lucky and the assistants come along with him. Maybe you have to hire an assistant. You know, you don't hire an entire staff. You hire assistant by assistant. Um, and then you need the physios and all the other things that go with them. Then, you know, there's a lot of little things like uh, when Kurt came in, he wanted to redo the, the way the locker room and, and the physio rooms were set up because he wanted to install video monitors and other things. And then Ziggy came in and he didn't use those things as much. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. People say, oh, they hired a coach. They're done. Let's roll the ball out and start practice. There's a lot of other things that go into that. And you're right. The longer you put that off, remember, people have to move. People have to you find homes and i know a lot of it falls to uh to, you know the players in players i know it does it falls to the wives to do a lot of that move the family and and all that jossie's wife told a great story about moving when they had to move to columbus because uh the crew was at you know in preseason training at that time and jossie had nothing to do with any of that and his wife had to do everything so there's a lot that goes on and so each day that that, that goes by each time each day you get closer not just to all the off-season roster building stuff but to the start of training camp, where are we going to have training camp? Where are we going to play our preseason games? Are we going to go to Tucson as we've done in the past? Uh, you know, DC United is going to the Middle East this year. Do, are the Galaxy thinking about something like that? All those are decisions that Dennis DeClose has to make in concert with a coach. And Dennis DeClose is not officially hired yet, and there is no coach. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. And, and each day that, as I said, each day that ticks by, it becomes more and more perilous. The other thing, before we get away from the field thing, um, I did see after a Charger game, the last Charger home game, I did see the grass crew actually tearing up the middle of the turf at sub, um, putting down a new turf in the middle between the hash marks, which uh, I thought was amazing because it would not be a soccer game, but they're apparently doing what they can. And, and I believe uh, what the players are saying about sand. I've seen that done in baseball and other multi-use stadiums where uh, the grass gets torn up and they put sand down and paint it and try to make it look like grass so it looks good on TV. Um, so I do believe that the field is, is suffering. I do think the groundskeepers are doing a good job keeping it alive, but it is suffering. So my question to you is, you know, this didn't happen when Bruce was there, and I know the charges weren't here then. Um, but I'm wondering is, I understand why AEG is doing this. They have a chance to get some more revenue by renting their field to uh, in the NFL and then to another football league. Um, but if it's hurting your main tenant, which is your right. soccer team, I mean, that's how AEG got into this thing. They had the Galaxy here, um, and they before they bought the Kings, before they had the Staples Center, before they had any of that stuff, they had the Galaxy. Now, it, it, so if you still consider the Galaxy to be their marquee property, and maybe you don't, but if you do, I'm going to make the argument that it is. Do you, uh, do, you do things like this? Do you, uh, you know, just for my sake, do you rent out the field to an NFL team knowing it's going to tear it up and it could cost your soccer team a, a game at some point. Yeah, it's it's a great question. I you know you, I think that if you're AEG and if you're Chris Klein and and you're 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 sitting there saying, hey, we think that we can keep the field in good condition and that that will allow us to that it won't have any impact on the on the galaxy. But 
uh, playing during in season, you know, which looks like the XFL is going to do, uh, having the seasons overlap a lot more is really going to put pressure on that field. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a question. the The real thing is how they're going to react to it once it's apparent, if it becomes apparent that it is causing problems with the soccer team. So you know, that's sort of it, they've already made their bed now, Kevin. You know, they've decided well, that this is how they're going to do it. It's now their reaction to what happens if things don't go according to plan. Well, let's call it what it is. It's a money grab. They're doing this for money. Yeah. You can make the argument that having the NFL there for a couple of years adds to the prestige of the stadium, and I'll go along with that to a certain degree. It's on TV every weekend, so uh, you know it, it, it proves you can have big events there. It does a lot of things for you. XFL does not do anything but tear up the field and give the Galaxy a little bit of money. So it, it, what it is with the XFL, for sure, and maybe a little bit with the NFL, it's a blind money grab uh, for AEG. Uh, and, of course, Chris Klein and, and, and Brendan Hannon and everyone else there involved are going to say, oh, of course the field's not hurt. We're keeping the field up. The field's going to be fine, as Brendan promised at the beginning, that the Galaxy would remain the premier tenant and that the field would not be damaged. Well, now players are telling us the field is damaged. And, of course, they're going to say it's not going to be damaged. Everything's fine. No one's going to go say, yeah, we're bringing an NFL team in and it's going to tear the field all up and it's going to be really hard to play soccer, but we're going to do it anyways. Uh, I wonder, you know, when we went, if you go back a couple of years to the whole uh, Kurt Onofo era, one of the things we said with that roster remake, uh, they cut the salary by more than a third. I think they cut about almost half the payroll uh, by going young and getting rid of all the veterans. And when they did that, um, a number of us called the Galaxy out on it and said, um, it's just cost cutting, which doesn't have to be a pejorative. Right. You know, if you cut the, if you cut, if, if you could cut your mortgage in half, you're cutting costs, but that's a good thing. That's not a pejorative. So the Galaxy went went cheaper. That's what they did. That's the facts. Um, and they got very upset about people saying that. But at the time, the, 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 the talk was that Phil actually had spent so much money on the Galaxy and that the, you know, he had never made a dime on the team, that they were, uh, you know, they were, it was a money loser when you look at what they spent on salaries, that he had gotten tired of that and wanted to see the academy produce and wanted to cut costs. Now, if, if you believe that, and Phil Anschutz has never said that, that I've heard, but if you believe that, that kind of makes sense that they would go out and rent the field out to a football team because they're trying to make a little bit of money. Yeah, and it always, you know, and maybe that fits into things. Now, we have keep seeing the reports that say the LA Galaxy, you know, are, have an operating revenue of, you know, $9 million on the positive side, and they're one of, I think, only five or six MLS teams that are operating on that positive side in the revenue. But, you know, so, and all of those numbers are estimates, by the way, as well. So we've also heard uh, that perhaps that's not true, that the Galaxy haven't been making $9 million or $6 million last year, that in fact they've lost money. So all of these things are sort of up in the air whenever you're trying to gauge all these things. I'll tell you one thing that just sort of popped up in my mind, Kevin, as you were talking, uh, as I was thinking about last season, is that last season at this time, the LA Galaxy had already announced when their preseason would be starting. Uh, there was already a date, there was already a time, there was already a, 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 a specific you know, target to when the LA Galaxy would be reporting back to StubHub Center. We don't have any of that right now. There is no date. Uh, it's in January. You can you can be assured of that. It's probably around, you know, the 22nd, the 23rd. Maybe it's earlier than that, but it's right around that time because the CBA sort of dictates a lot of that stuff, so we know that. But the Galaxy haven't come out because, as you've said, Kevin, there has been no planning on sort of where that's all going to take place. I don't know. It seems like... With the stadium deal, AEG, Kevin, as we know, makes money operating facilities, right? That's their big thing is they have, they have stadiums, they have arenas, they have music venues all across the world. And that really is AEG worldwide. That is what they do is, is managing these venues. So you would imagine that StubHub Center is just another venue that they manage. And in managing it, they're trying to get the most amount of money and maximize that asset that they have. And by having it uh, host events like, you know, concerts and, and LA Galaxy soccer games, and XFL games and NFL games that they're maximizing, you know, that asset. And that's what it really feels like to me right now is that it's just a money deal and it's tr they're trying to maximize the use of StubHub Center. And so that all makes sense to me. Those are my, my sort of that, closing that thoughts. That does. But, but remember, you can overuse a field. Look what happened at, in Azteca where yep. uh, the NFL wound up not being able to go to Mexico City. I mean, the field can only take so much. And I agree with you. And, and I, again, it's not a pejorative. That's what AEG wants to do. There's a lot of reasons why they should do that. It's a very smart thing. Just don't turn around and tell me that we're totally committed to the soccer 
uh, that's our number one thing, and we're going to make the soccer team win, and we can spend whatever whatever we want. The kind of pablum that we've heard coming out of the Subbook Center for years about how it's a blank check and all they really care about is soccer, um, well, then don't turn around and sell your football stadium to a fledgling uh, football league that's going to tear the turf up and play at the same time of the year as you're starting your, your schedule. Um, it, you know, you can't have both. Just, just tell us the truth. And by the way, I need to correct something I said. I said the Galaxy have never made money. You're right. The Galaxy have posted uh, profits at times. I know MLS as a league, all of the teams at the same time. There's not been a season where they've all made profit. The Galaxy is one of the few teams that has occasionally shown a profit. But I think over the course of their 23 seasons that uh, Phil Anschutz has lost money on the team. Um, and, and, and kind of fluctuates, it goes up and down. And by the way, the Galaxy have always been, or usually have been, the, the, the most viable franchise in MLS. They no longer are. The Forbes list shows them as no longer the most viable uh, franchise in MLS. I'm sure the last couple of seasons have had something to do with that. Well, I mean, they, they, to be fair to the Galaxy, their overall value increased. It's just they got out-jumped by Atlanta United. Um, so it, it, they even went up from year over year. It's one of those weird things. And again, those are projections by Forbes, and I don't know how close to reality those actually come in projecting the actual profitability or, or money-making that the LA Galaxy have. But uh, it certainly showed the LA Galaxy on the positive side this year. And again, only a handful of teams in Major League Soccer have shown that. So it's always sort of up for interpretation, up for guess. It's one of those things that we continue to watch and we continue to report on every year as Forbes comes out with it. But um, I'm not sure it has much you know use in reality uh, a lot of times so it's uh, it's just one of those things we sort of get to get to gauge the galaxy and gauge the rest of the league on and you know we'll continue to do that. I mean it's feeling it, I don't buy those numbers at all I, I kind of know how they're put together and I don't I don't really trust the process and I, I, I rarely have ever used those numbers but the fact is they're the only numbers out there and MLS allows them to be out there I, I believe they do work with uh, Forbes to a degree but when the numbers are wrong, MLS, as far as I know, does not correct them. So those are the numbers that are out there. Those are the numbers that are public, uh, you know, without any competitive, uh, you know, competing numbers from somebody else. You know, if you're looking to, de- to determine what's the most viable franchise and how much it's supposed to be worth, that's it. That's all there is. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. All right, so you're you're driving home. We're gonna let you uh, uh, head on home and actually uh, get home safely. And then we're glad that at least you got to call in. We uh, we delayed it. This is a late night record. This is COG after dark, basically. Uh, whenever it comes, you know, we to... had pretzels. We had pretzels on the plane. You have you had pretzels awesome. on the plane. You you lucky that guy. Was you. Awesome. Good stuff. All right, no, so awesome. uh, you have anything else you want to get to? Or are you good? I'm good. I'm really tired. You know, it's one in the morning my time. <laughs> Which time is that? Detroit or Chicago? Is that the same? <laughs> well, if it was Chicago, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be one o'clock. Yeah, it was Detroit. That was a that was a Freudian slip. I know I'm going there next week, so that's what I'm thinking. I'm I'm always thinking in, in the future. That's, I'm always thinking ahead. That's right. I was going to say we may not uh, we may not have uh, Kevin on the show next week, uh, just depending on his travel schedule. We'll see if we. No, can. I think we're going to do it from the San Francisco airport. Oh, that's right. I think That'll we just we're, we're going to try yeah. to do, we're going to try to do that. It'll be it'll be great. Boarding announcements and everything in the background coming up next Monday. All right. Hopefully. That's, well, no. I, yeah. I thought you said you'd set up a studio there for me. Obviously, no. He had gone up there and built a studio. With so. all your frequent flyer first class miles that you yeah. have, because I know that's how you travel. You just go but, use that lounge. I'm sure that I'm sure they have that. That with the champagne you're always talking right, about. My seat was right next to the onboard bathroom uh, today, which is let me a word to the wise. Don't sit there if you have the choice. I was going to say, that's that's good for access. That's that's why you got there. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. And, of course, LATimes.com, all of his coverage. Even if you want some NFL coverage, Kevin Baxter has you covered. But, of course, the soccer reporter over there at the LA Times covering U.S. men's national team, U.S. women's national team, LAFC, LA Galaxy. You want to head over to LATimes.com. That's where you can find him. And sign up for his awesome soccer newsletter. Uh, that goes out, I think, every Tuesday. So you're going to want to sign up for that. Uh, and that way it'll be emailed to you. You don't even have to search for it. It's great stuff. All right. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com, where our rumor tracker has all the latest updates and rumors regarding Roman Alessandrini or Dennis DeClose or a player to be named later looks like the LA Galaxy closing in on some signings there so you can check it all out on the rumor tracker on cornerofthegalaxy.com alright uh, we'll be back next week maybe maybe with Kevin at the San Francisco airport never know we'll see how we can make it work but uh, for right now he's Kevin Baxter I'm Josh Gessman you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com have a great one everybody
You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy From the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at the Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.